Welcome back to Amerisogyny. I'm your host, Hannah Blue. This is episode eight. Today, we are discussing intolerance. Intolerance of others. I'm bringing you three stories in this episode I feel highlight the epitome of intolerance, not only in the U.S., but abroad too. Because that's what I do. I like to connect commonalities around the globe. The first story is on gender-affirming care. I don't believe any government in any country has a right to tell people what to do with their bodies. It's not its place. The body is personal. When you wake up in the morning, you get up and go to the bathroom. You brush your teeth and wash your face. You take a shower. And the government is not in the bathroom with you. When you go to the doctor, you discuss what's going on with your body. And the government is not in the doctor's office with you. So why do lawmakers feel they have the right to tell you what to do with your body when they don't? I have a friend in the UK. I'll call him Tom. Tom was born a woman and that's how I met him, as a woman. And Tina was a fabulous person. Very funny, charismatic, big, beautiful blue eyes. Tina had a baby, a beautiful little girl. And after a while, Tina confided to me she did not feel like a woman. At a young age, she felt as if she were male. So Tina had hormone therapy and went through the process to become Tom. Tom is one of the best people I know. Now his country, the UK, is no better than the US in protecting transgender rights. Now Tom was much older when he received gender-affirming care. Think of how much harder it is for teens to make this transition. A new study covered the rates of suicide among transgender teens. The study focused on teens ages 15 to 17 because according to Dr. Ian Coleman, Late adolescence is a time when children are making the transition towards adulthood. And he says, as they move towards independence, it is also a time for exploration with regards to gender and sexuality. While ages in 15 through 17 can be an exciting time, it is also very stressful as teens experience a lot of peer pressure and can feel very isolated. This is especially true for those who express gender and sexuality in a non-conforming way. Dr. Coleman and his team found that transgender teens had a five times higher risk of suicidal ideation than their heterosexual peers. Transgender teens were 7.6 times more likely to attempt suicide as heterosexual peers. In comparison to heterosexual teens, Teens attracted to multiple genders had a 2.5 times higher risk of suicidal ideation and a 2.8 times higher risk of attempting suicide. Teens who questioned their sexual orientation had double the risk of attempting suicide. The researchers also noted reports of bullying and cyberbullying by teens in their sample. According to Dr. Coleman, while bullying and cyberbullying is an important factor, it is not the only factor. Other factors related to feeling supported at home, at school, and in their communities. Well, conservatives do not agree with Dr. Coleman. They're pushing more than 80 bills to restrict access to gender-affirming care. What is gender-affirming care? 
In a nutshell, it's medical care designed to help someone transition from the gender they were born with to one they identify with. They're not just targeting minors. At least four states are pushing bills that would restrict people over the age of 18, and two states want to ban care for people under age 26. Some states already have. Utah, Arkansas, Alabama, and Arizona have bans on the books. Mississippi, Kansas, Oklahoma, and South Carolina are also against gender-affirming care. Gwendolyn Herzig is a transgender pharmacist with a doctorate in pharmacy. Arkansas's Senator Matt McKee asked if she had a penis as she testified against a proposed law to ban transition drugs and procedures for minors. People were shocked. He said, you said that you're a trans woman. Do you have a penis? Someone in the crowd yelled, disgraceful. Herzig fired back. She said, I don't know what my rights are, but that question was highly inappropriate. I am a healthcare professional, a doctor. Please treat me as such. Next question, please. That was ignorant of the senator. But that's how some of them roll. This was during a hearing on a bill introduced in the Arkansas State Senate. If passed, it would stop doctors from performing transgender surgeries or prescribing puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones to minors. If someone has received gender-affirming care, the bill would allow them to sue doctors for up to 30 years after turning 18. Senator David Bullard of Oklahoma calls it surgical and chemical genital mutilation. He says it's happening in his great state and it must be stopped. Now, where have I heard the word great said in that context? Oh, gee, golly cheese whiz, let me think. Ah, yes. Make America great again. Funny how they give themselves away. His bill states, Physicians or other healthcare professionals shall not provide gender transition procedures to anyone under the age of 26. Medical professionals convicted of violating the act would be guilty of a felony with a conviction in Oklahoma carrying a maximum sentence of five years in prison. The bill also prohibits public funds from being used directly or indirectly at organizations that provide such care. Tell me something. How great is a state if it allows people with gender dysphoria to suffer? South Carolina's bill is similar to Oklahoma's, but if someone is older than 21 and they want gender-affirming care, they need a referral from their primary care doctor and a referral from a licensed psychiatrist who can certify the person has a diagnosis of gender dysphoria or a similar condition by the psychiatrist. And that psychiatrist believes that gender transition procedures will be appropriate for the person. GLP argues children are too young to decide whether they are the correct gender and fear they may regret it later in life. Research has been done to see if there was a high number of people who regretted GAS, G-A-S, gender affirming surgery. And one study concluded there is an extremely low prevalence of regret in transgender patients after gas. Listen, there are arguments on both sides. Some say detransitioning is real. 
The Detransition Advocacy Network is a charity founded by Charlie Evans, a former transgender man who detransitioned in 2018. Evans told Sky News that hundreds of young trans people were seeking her help to return to their sex assigned at birth. She said more resources are urgently needed for people experiencing post-transition regret. She says, I am in communication with 19 and 20 year olds who have had full gender reassignment surgery who wish they hadn't and their dysphoria hasn't been relieved. They don't feel better for it. They don't know what their options are now. Here's my take. I believe healthcare is a basic human right for everyone. Second, who are transgender people hurting if they receive gender affirming surgery? Three, if they regret the process down the line, no one will have to deal with the consequences of their actions except for them. And maybe the doctors these bills will allow them to sue. We're in the year 2023 and we're still intolerant of those who are different from us. My next story is about Scott Adams, the creator of the comic strip Dilbert. Now he's been under fire for some recent comments he made. Adams tweeted, Dilbert was canceled in 77 newspapers this week. But before I get into that, I want to note, he's been problematic before. More intolerance of transgender people. He's made jokes about transgender people and warned that Republicans would be hunted under Joe Biden's presidency. After a mass shooting on the 4th of July in Chicago, he said people should kill their own sons if they believe the child is a danger to himself and others. And they dragged him for it. He was also dragged for saying his Dilbert animated show, running from 1999 to 2000, was canceled because he was white. In 2020, he posted on Twitter, I lost my TV show for being white when UPN decided it would focus on an African-American audience. That was the third job I lost for being white. The other two in corporate America, they told me directly. Why was Dilbert given the boot? Because he's intolerant of those who are different than he. He went on a racist rant on YouTube supporting segregation. He was triggered by a poll where 53% of black people agreed with the statement, it's okay to be white. And he said, if nearly half of all blacks are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to the poll, that's a hate group. I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I would say, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. Just get the fuck away from them because there is no fixing this. Now, he said this on the YouTube show Real Coffee with Scott Adams. He later tweeted he was only encouraging white people to avoid hate and claims the cancellation of his cartoon means free speech in America is under attack. Now, according to Money, Inc., Adams is worth $75 million, So he's not hurting for money, okay? He won't be at any food banks anytime soon, like many Americans will be now that their pandemic SNAP benefits have been cut. He also doesn't have to worry about going to the doctor, like millions of Americans who will be kicked off Medicaid this year. He's not suffering like many Americans are in this country. 
He's affluent, and he believes hate speech is free speech. Now, I believe in free speech, but not speech that encourages division between people based on race, religion, sex, gender, etc. None of that has any place in our society. It is 2023, and we still have people who cannot accept differences in others. I think his cartoon should have been canceled. But let us not forget, Adams only echoed what many in this country believe. They firmly believe we should be separated by race. They feel if people do not look like them, think like them, act like them, and speak like them, then they should be controlled or ostracized. Our next story comes straight out of China. And this story reeks of misogyny and murder. Now, I've never heard of 28-year-old Chinese model Abby Choi until she died. Her ex-husband and former in-laws were arrested after police found her cut-up body parts at their home in Hong Kong. They kept her legs in a refrigerator, and the house was recently rented by her former father-in-law. Police also found tools, meat grinders, chainsaws, her ID, credit cards, and other belongings in the house. Police are still looking for the rest of her body, including her head and torso. Mmm. They certainly kept it in the family. Her ex-husband, former in-laws, and brother-in-law have all been arrested. The ex-husband, ex-father-in-law, and his eldest son are being charged with murder. Her ex-mother-in-law faces one count of perverting the course of justice. And what caused this sick Jeffrey Dahmer-inspired madness? Money. She had been fighting with her ex and his family over tens of millions of Hong Kong dollars. Now we are well aware China's system is harsh on women. I covered misogyny in China in a previous episode, so this really doesn't surprise me. But there are still so many questions. If they went through all the trouble of getting these tools and renting the house, they couldn't think of a better way to dispose of the body? Why keep her body parts? Were they planning to eat her? I hope not. Disputes over money are never good. Clearly, her ex-husband harbored resentment towards her, enough to kill her. The subject was about money, but I think the fact that a woman accepted the end of the relationship, who appeared to be moving on with her life, and who appeared to be financially stable, didn't sit well with him. There are some men in this world who believe a woman should not live without him. A woman, literally, should not exist, not breathe, laugh, cry, swim, sink, or float without him. I've said before, misogyny is a universal language that men, and some women too, because the ex-mother-in-law was involved, misogyny is a language they regard with crystal clear comprehension. This woman died. For what? There was no reason to cut her up and put her in a freezer. No excuse for this at all, except intolerance. Intolerance of free-thinking people People who advocate for themselves. People who reject oppression. These three stories should all be cautionary tales of how destructive intolerance is. Intolerance isn't helpful. 
It doesn't foster harmonious relationships. It helps nothing good to thrive. We need to learn from these people. And I'm out of time. I hope you were able to receive something that helps you out of episode eight. I will be back with more stories. Be good to yourselves. Be easy. And God bless.